Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. If you have your Bibles, uh, I'd like you to turn to Job, the book of Job. We're getting close, folks. We're getting close to the end. Job chapter 37. Job chapter 37. I, I, was, gonna tr- I was trying to get through chapter 37 last time, and we just ran out of time. And I uh, didn't want to rush through it. So we're going to transition tonight um, out of Elihu's speech, which we've been studying and going over for the last several chapters. We're going to transition from Elihu's speech to God's uh, interrogation, let's say, of Job, to God's answers to all of the questions that are being that have been asked throughout this book but he's going to give us those answers in the form of questions it's almost like god's uh jeopardy chapter 36 the last time we were together in the book of job was the account of elihu's last attempt to prove god, job's guilt and he highlighted um, the power and the omniscience of God. He spoke of God's greatness in nature, uh, almost to put Job down. Chapter 37, which we'll be in tonight to begin with, continues in his proclamation of God's authority, of God's power, of his sovereignty over all things, of his greatness. And the, the songs we sang tonight just kind of are perfect, perfectly went along with that. God is awesome. And Elihu, in this chapter, and this is the last we're going to hear of him, thank goodness, um, but he had some pretty good things to say over the several chapters. It was just very long. Um, He's going to illustrate God's greatness, God's power, God's sovereignty with the works of God through the changes of the seasons. And, you know, we look, we look around and we can see, you know, you know, every spring comes around and you start to see the flowers start to, to bloom and the grass start to grow and the leaves start to come out on the trees. And, you know, we just, sometimes we just take all that for granted, don't we? We just look and we expect that it's going to happen. But it's all part of God's plan. It's all part of God's way that he just shows his power. So we're going to jump in because we are going to get, try to get through most of 38 as well. Um, we'll see how far we get tonight. We're going to jump in in verses 1 through 5 as Elihu here describes God and his power in the midst of a storm. And these verses speak of the welcome fall rains after a hot, dry summer. And, you know, we can relate to that. We know that sometimes August is just, sometimes it's dry and it's hot. And we welcome those September rains that sort of cool things off. Well, Elihu is going to speak of God's power and his awesomeness through that. 
And he says in verses 1 through 5, At this also my heart trembles and leaps from its place. Hear attentively the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He sends it forth under the whole heaven, his lightning to the ends of the earth. After a voice roar, after it a voice roars, he thunders with his majestic voice and he does not restrain them when his voice is heard. God thunders marvelously with his voice and he does great things which we cannot comprehend. Boy, in those five verses, just the awesomeness of God. He mentions his voice and thunderings about five times in these five verses. And he's trying to get us to understand the power of God in a a tangible way. And I think there are few things that express just just power, raw power, than the sound of thunder and the, and the, the flash of lightning. You know, you look out uh, in the midst of a, of, a, of a thunderstorm and you just sense power in that. And I, I love to just watch that, go out and, and see the power of God as demonstrated in a thunderstorm. And I think... That's probably what the voice of God sounds like. Just the thunderings of God's voice. Just how powerful and how big that is. Psalm 29.3 says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. Just speaking of the vastness of his power. It's awesome. And yet we can't fully comprehend it. How many times do we experience it or see it and maybe not even attribute it to God? You know, how many of us go out in a thunderstorm and and maybe not even think that God, the power of God is behind this storm? And I, I love how Elihu here and many other times in the scriptures compare God's voice to the thunder. It just represents his awesome power. And his working in the universe. And then he moves on in these next few verses to express the power of God in the, in the ice and in the snowfall of winter. And we, you know, we're in the midst of this now and we can um, almost sense sometimes as we, as we shiver or we look out at a snowstorm or a, a, an ice storm and just sense the power of God. And he says here in verses 6 through 10, For he says to the snow, fall to the earth. Likewise, to the gentle rain and the heavy rain of his strength, he seals the hand of every man. In other words, no man is able to put a stop to what God is going to do. If it's going to snow, he's going to make it snow. As much as the weathermen would like to think that they're in charge and they're in control, they're not. He seals the hand of every man that all men might know know his work. The beasts go into dens and remain in their lairs. It's amazing how the animals know, right, when it's going to rain or snow or uh, when bad weather is coming. And sometimes we're oblivious. From the chamber of the south comes a whirlwind, whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds of the north. By the breath of God, ice is given and the broad waters are frozen. So he causes all of these, you know, the, the, uh, you see the, uh, just the, um, 
sweeping down of the ice down from Canada, you know, especially in the winter, you know, when you do see the, the weather report and how they can just show how that airstream just dips down. And you can just see maybe God behind that just blowing on that, on that cold air, just blowing it down. There's, there's power in that. And it's just speaking of his authority, his authority over everything in nature. And I think also he's made the seasons for us to know that he's always doing something, that, that God is always there. You know, he changes, the weather changes just to know that, that God is always there doing something. He's always working. And Elihu here is trying to get us to understand, especially Job, to understand that all of nature, all of nature fully submits to God. He was backhandedly sort of telling Job, do the same. You know, and nature submits to God. Rain doesn't tell God when to, when to fall. God tells the rain when to fall. Job, you should be doing the same thing. And honestly, that's good advice. I think that's good counsel. We shouldn't be telling God. You know, sometimes our prayers are, God, you know, I'd like this, I'd like that. Um, bless my plans, God. And instead of saying, not my will, but yours, I yield to you. I submit, God, to you, just as all of nature does. And um, good, good lessons, just as we look out, even, even at the, you know, just at what goes on every day outside of our windows, just to take that, take that in and take that to, uh, to mind. So winter ends, right? The ice, the snow, the cold, uh, those, those blasts of cold Arctic air come down. And now the warmth of spring comes in. And, and Elihu is going to talk about that in the next few verses. And it says in verse 11, Also with moisture he saturates the thick clouds. He scatters his bright clouds. And they swirl about, being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Now this is interesting what Elihu does here. He tells us, again, there's a, there's a work of God that's happening as the, now the winter changes into spring. And it's not just about nature. It's not just about a change in weather, a change in climate, a change in the season. But it's also about God has a purpose behind all of that. Sometimes we know that in our lives, God may send a storm into our life for a reason. It may be discipline. He says here in verse 13, whether for correction or for the land, sometimes he'll send a storm to because the land was very dry and we just, you know, need the, need the rain because the crops are dying. Sometimes, when I think of the, I think of the flood of Noah, that was a storm for correction, right? Because all men on the whole earth were only doing evil things except for the, the eight that were saved. So God sent the rains for correction, but sometimes he sends them for his mercy. Sometimes even the storms in our life are there because of God's mercy. Maybe it would be worse if he didn't send that storm. Maybe it's for discipline. 
Maybe it's for a demonstration of his love. Maybe it's just to show us that he still is connected to us. You know, rain is a welcome event after a drought. And even in our lives, you know, after maybe we go through a season of dryness, sometimes we feel like we're, we're just parched, we, that our relationship with the Lord is, is just very dry. God may send that, that rain of his mercy down just to let us know, just to draw us back. He'll, he'll always do that. In Ezekiel thirty four twenty six. It says, I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will cause showers to come down in their season, and there, there shall be showers of blessing. So physical rain for the land, but also for us, just that sense of God's presence in our lives, him showing us that mercy. And then we get to this last Example: this last uh, demonstration of God's power through the change of seasons. And it's that summer, that time of summer that uh, Elihu is going to talk about. And think about it as we read through these verses. There's something about summer that sometimes causes us to kind of just slow down, right? Just kind of relax. People always say, well, I'm going to take this summer, I'm going to read a good book. You know, Even, even baseball is a kind of a, just a slow game where, you know, you can just sit back and it's, it's, it seems like everything comes down to a lot slower in the summer. But listen, listen to what uh, Lihu says. He says, listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine? Do you know how the clouds are balanced? Those wondrous works of him who is, in, who is perfect in knowledge. Why are your garments hot when he, quiet, when he quiets the earth by the south wind? With him have you spread out the skies, strong as a cast metal mirror. So Elihu here wants Job to consider the greatness of God. And he does it in this poetic way. And I love that. You know, just... We, we can sense God's presence, you know, in all of the things that go on around us. Consider how God kind of balances everything out. You know, I know, f- I know for me, even as long as winter can be, it seems like, wow, spring's at just the right time, you know, we see the spring coming. Or just the right time, we see some of those flowers, some of the times the crocuses are just popping through that, that last bit of snow. And it's like God's showing us that he's there. His, his timing is always perfect. And sometimes I think in our lives, we need to slow down a little bit. We need to kind of get away from the rat race, get away from the hectic time that we're, we're in and maybe everything that's swirling around us. Um, shut off the TV and, and, and just sit and be still and concentrate on God. Meditate on his power, on his goodness. Get all the distractions out of the way so our minds can be focused on him. And I think about most people take summer vacation to relax. 
but a, a lot of times they they wind up needing a vacation because they're they're more tired afterwards with all the you know the traveling and the airports and the packing and the un, unpacking and the visiting and all of that it's it almost feels like you need a vacation but i think for us it's just a time for us to to sit to sit at god's feet to listen to him and to just consider um the love of God, to rest in that. Because I think we strive a lot in this life. I think we're, you know, we, we're kind of on, um, on that wheel and we're always striving and striving and striving. And I think, you know, there are many times in the scriptures God tells us to rest, rest in him. You know, he wants us to sense that, that, that peace that comes with that. And now... Elihu here is going to speak, kind of speak to Job directly and encouraging Job to fear God, to give God the glory, give God the honor, give God the, the, uh, the praise and the worship that he deserves. And he says in verses 19 through 24, teach us what we should say to him, for, if we, for we can prepare nothing because of the gar- darkness. Should he be told that I wish to speak? If a man were to speak, surely he would be swallowed up. Even now, men cannot look at the light when it is bright in the skies, when the wind has passed and cleared them. He comes from the north as a golden splendor. With God is awesome majesty. As for the Almighty, we cannot find him. He is excellent in power, in judgment, and abundant justice. How great is that, right? He's excellent in power, in judgment, and abundant justice. Always just. He does not oppress. You know, the world oppresses us. People will oppress us. People will come against us. But God will always be for us. Therefore, men fear him. In other words, therefore, men are in awe of him. He shows no partiality to any who are wise of heart. You know who's wise of heart? The ones who have said, God, I submit to you. Your will, not mine, be done. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. Remember, it says in the Bible, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If we want to be wise of heart, we would be wise to submit our lives to him. Elihu's telling Job here that there's nothing that Job can say to God that can convince him to change his mind or convince him to do Job's will as opposed to God's will. He shouldn't even try. You're going to get swallowed up by the very majesty of God. And of course, Elihu is correct, you know, in what he's saying. Sometimes we need to sort of do a lot more listening than talking. But in all of these chapters, uh, Job really hasn't yet heard from God. How could he listen? You know, he's, he's heard his friends. He's had his own times of, um, you know, crying out and his own ideas of what God has been doing in his life. But he really hasn't heard from God. Well, that all changes as we jump into chapter 38 and really through the rest of the book, we are now going to hear from God. Thank you, Lord, 
that we're going to hear from you. And just as God's voice was uh, explained and described as thunder, he's going to speak to Job from a whirlwind. The God that Elihu claims is unreachable for by man will now come to Job in a storm. Speak to Job directly. And sometimes we may think that God is silent or maybe he's unconcerned with our situation. But he, remember, he's always waiting for the perfect time to reveal himself to us. Imagine Job going through all of this, hearing from all of these people and never really receiving from the Lord the, the sort of the truth of who God was and, and what's going on in his situation. I don't know how long it was that he's gone through this, but for us it seems like it's been a long time we've been studying this book. And now, finally, in God's perfect timing, he's going to reveal himself to Job. So I think we need to be attentive as well as Job. So chapter 38, it kind of begins here, God's response. God's response to all that has gone on. He's going to answer all of these questions. He's going to answer Job's cries to be vindicated, for, jo- for Job's call to recognize God's judgment. He's going to answer all of the interactions or all of the mischaracterizations. Everything will be put in, in place by God himself. No more conjecture, no more speculation about what God is doing or why he's doing it. God is going to now set the record straight. He's going to respond directly to Job. But as we read through these chapters, some of the things that we hear from God might seem harsh. You know, maybe we would call it tough love in our, in our vernacular. But some of the things might seem, might seem harsh. But remember, God is always perfectly measured. Remember, he's perfectly just in everything that he does. So, Elihu, you know, just to to finish up with, with him, he was able to do a lot of things that Job's other friends couldn't do. In a lot of ways, he accurately described Job's attitude as well as God's character. And part of Job's attitude that that Elihu was trying to bring forth was maybe some of Job's self-righteousness. You know, we spoke about the fact that Job was called righteous, was called blameless, even by God. But sometimes in some of Job's speeches, we kind of got this idea that he was a little bit prideful, a little bit all about himself. And I think probably his pain was causing some of that. You know, causing some of his looking at his situation and saying, you know, I can't be that bad. I can't be that bad. Look at all that I'm going through. So we have been waiting now to hear from God, and we're going to hear from him in the next several chapters. In the previous chapters, Job and his friends tried to explain God's actions. Remember, it happened several times. But an explanation about God isn't really what was needed at this time. We need now a revelation from God. 
It's great to hear someone explain about God, but until you've experienced a revelation from God, a personal relationship with God, it never really sinks in. It never really changes you. It has to be something that happens to you personally. See, we don't gain a greater understanding of God necessarily on an intellectual basis. But it's on a personal basis as he reveals himself to us. And sometimes he reveals himself through blessings. Praise the Lord. Sometimes he reveals himself to us through trials. Can I venture to say praise the Lord through that too? Sometimes in the mountains. Sometimes in the valleys. Sometimes it's a flood of mercy and grace. But sometimes... He reveals himself in our driest times. In those times in the wilderness when we don't know what what we're doing. So God is going to now try to show Job that through all of this, God was always there. God was always there. Never doubt the fact that God is there. So he's going to do this, as, as I kind of joked before, with a series of questions. He's actually going to ask Job 77 questions. We're not going to see all 77 tonight. But he's going to ask Job questions. And you'll get kind of the gist of how these questions are asked and kind of the character that's behind these questions as we go through them. So we'll jump in. We'll get through as many as we can tonight. Before time is up. And in verse 1 it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of, a whirl, out of the whirlwind and said. So the whirlwind, God's presence. It's many times in the scriptures, whirlwind is representative of God's presence. Psalm seventy-seven, eighteen says, The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. God in the whirlwind. You know, we also hear God or sense God's presence in the silence sometimes, just in the quiet. Sometimes we sense God's presence in a song. Sometimes we see it in a work of art or sense God's presence in nature. But a lot of times he'll speak to us in the whirlwind, whirlwind and that's, that's the, the power of God. The thunderings of God. So God answers Job here for the first time. And he makes no doubt about the fact that it is God. See, the reason why he's coming to Job in a whirlwind is so that Job is perfectly clear that this is God. And he kind of had to stir Job up a little bit so that he would be prepared and that he would be attentive to hear. I think about Moses up on the mountain and and God revealing himself in the burning bush. It was almost like, Moses, I need to get your attention. Check this out. You know, that I consider that God revealing himself in a whirlwind. You know, Job, uh, Job has to hear from God in that same way. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word to us, Lord, and um, we ask that you would Show yourself powerful in our lives, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.